Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. I'm John Leahy. Thanks so much for being with us on the podcast today. I want to thank my guest from last week, Joe Pott. And uh, we talked to him about uh, broadcasting. Joe, a former colleague who's out in the St. Louis area, had a great talk with him. If you'd like to listen to that episode or any other episode that we've done, uh, please feel free to check us out at LeahyStorytelling.com. Uh, that uh, website will have all the previous episodes that we've done. And uh, also, it will have uh, some cool things like uh, a blog, a video section. It also has an area where you can leave a review, either uh, zero to five stars. You can also leave a written review as well. So that's LeahyStorytelling.com. And we invite you to check this out. Check that out. Joining us on the podcast this week is Bridget Prue, who is a well-known sports broadcaster and reporter here in New England. Bridget, thanks so much for spending some time here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. You've already overblown my credentials. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I, I, we have a lot to talk about. I had a chance to uh, take a look at your history, and I'd love to explore it with you. Uh, you're based here in New England. You're a sports broadcaster and reporter. I'd like to start maybe uh, with your your interest in sports broadcasting. I know you went to UMass, you got a BA there in uh, uh, journalism and sports management. Where did your passion for sports first start? Um, well, when I was very young, I grew up playing pretty much every sport. Um, I think I started playing sports when I was like three. So it's really just been something that's been like, I've been around for a long time. My dad, my grandpa both always had sports on and, and it, it was something I decided I wanted to like pursue as a career, um, like late in high school when I was trying to decide, you know, what path to take. And my dad said, well, do something that you doesn't feel like work to you, like something you can do every day and you're not going to get tired of it. And you're not going to go, why did I choose this? So it's like, <laughs> well, there's one thing that I can like always talk about and always um, enjoy doing. And that's just um, covering sports, talking about sports and it doesn't feel like work. How did your experience at UMass kind of shape your interest and your desire to get into the industry? Um, I At that point, I already knew that I wanted to give it a try. I didn't know how hard it was going to be or whether or not I'd be able to actually do it, but I wanted to give it a shot. Um, and basically, I just tried out every kind of like sports media you could try, writing, radio, TV, See what I liked, what I didn't like. Did I like to do sideline? Did I like to do play by play? Did I, you know, what, like kind of trial and error. What did I like? What did I need to work on? And what I ended up settling on was um, the play by play role, um, especially for hockey. That's what I knew interested me and what my final goal would be would to hopefully at some point um, become an NHL broadcaster. Uh, that's great. Uh, so when did you start actually with the play-by-play -play and were there any influences that kind of got you more interested in the play-by-play -play aspect of it? Um, I started when I was a freshman in college, which was a while ago now. It was 10 years ago. Uh, it was 2013. Mm -hmm. So that was my first experience and it was, you just have to make mistake after mistake until mm -hmm. you finally like are polished. But so working on that um, and yeah, yeah and I knew that I knew that that's something I wanted to really try because 
I, at the time in 2013, there really weren't any women doing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and that's, and I would watch hockey and I'd be like, I I could do that, you know? So (laughs) I was like, I got to try it at least. Well, you had an internship at Fox 25. Uh, How much uh, did you learn from that experience and, and also to get you prepared for the industry? Um, Yeah, that was like my first job. So it was an internship, but it was paid. And um, well, first job in the industry, I should say. And it taught me how to like approach interviews and different things like that, because that's mostly what I was doing is like talking to players, um, like reporting in terms of like doing a stand up and different things like that, Um, like a hit for like a news program, basically. I mean, it just teaches you how to how first how like the whole media pool looks, especially like I was covering the Patriots and it was the year that the flight gate was like Tom Brady was gonna was missing the first four games of the season and it was just like a media circus and just like seeing that and seeing how everyone approached like player interviews and like the dynamics of everything was like the main thing I took away from it and just building confidence towards like all right well I can do it I see how other people do it's not something that like is too scary to do and so just basing the rest of just kind of using that as a basis even today for like talking to some of the Bruins in my reporting for that. I know when you were out at UMass, you had the chance to be uh, a sports uh, production director. You were the first female play-by-play for sports for that station. So uh, take us through that experience, how that all came to be and how fun it was. Um, so I don't, I don't know how it all came to be really. It was just that there were no other girls like involved. Um, and as far as we knew, like my director, like the head of the station had been there for a very long time and he was like, no, there, we've never had a girl do it. So, um, so yeah, I really was just because this is what I wanted to do. And I just happened to be the first girl, um, to, to get it going. And we had no other girls besides me as well. So I had to like recruit we did our first ever all female, like with a play-by-play and color commentator, um, female broadcast for our women's basketball game. And it took me forever to recruit someone to actually be the color commentator on that because it was really hard to find people who wanted to take the risk and do live radio and do a live broadcast. And I think it was something that people shied away from in the past. Like at that time, um, people just saw like, these other routes are easier for me. Like as a woman, like you see other people in the sideline role, you see other people in like reporter roles, but you tended to not see them on like live game broadcasts Mm -hmm. in terms of color or play by play. So at the time I felt like there were fewer women that were willing to like really step out of their comfort zone because they had like it's a lot of time and effort to put your energy into if you aren't sure it's going to pay off. You're not sure if someone's going to give you a job doing it. So I completely understood, but we eventually got a broadcast together for our first ever all female broadcast there. And actually just recently, actually upcoming for me in a few weeks, I have the, at Yale, the first ever all female broadcast um, of their women's basketball. So I'm going to be doing play by play for that. Um, and we just did the all our first ever all-female hockey broadcast 
mm-hmm. a few weeks ago at Yale, um, which is where I work now. Yeah, I do definitely want to touch on your Yale experience, but also when you were at UMass, you really had a wide uh, uh, swath of uh, sports you did, right? You did football, hockey, and baseball, so you covered a lot of sports there. Yeah, and, and that's, that was important for me to try and see like what I what I felt most comfortable with and what I felt most passionate about. So like doing the baseball was difficult when you're going from like hockey speed and even basketball speed. Um, you're it's much slower paced, and mm-hmm. I just found that I was more suited for um, the faster paced sports uh, and was more excited about those. And football was a real struggle because there's just so much going on and so many people on the field that like that would have taken a lot of trial a lot more trial and error I think because of how intricate it was and it's a sport that I followed since I was growing up but I never played so like you know the other sports basketball hockey baseball like those are all things I had experience with but the football was was a tough one um but I, I did enjoy it because, I mean, I went to a school that had all D1 sports. And so all the teams were, you know, they were decent and, and they were exciting to follow. Yeah. And of course, the challenge with baseball, right, with the pacing of the game, you have to throw a lot of stories in there, right, uh, just yeah. to kind of make up the time. <laughs> Especially and- like you're you're getting like a pitching change and the guy's like taking forever to warm up and you're like, what am I going to talk about? The weather? Like this is <laughs> the pace cases sometimes like you do have to have a lot of prep work done um and I work on the Red Sox broadcast now so I get to work with Joe Castiglione who's been doing play-by-play for baseball for so long like this is his 40th he just completed his 40th season with just with us um at WEI and to see how he goes about it I feel like it would have been helpful for me to see the way that he approaches it before I like started doing it when I was younger um because there's a lot you could learn from him but the pace and like what I wasn't used to is like you don't have to go at that like rate where you're talking like constantly about action more of a conversational it's more of a conversational broadcast rather than a like this is what's happening broadcast so yeah let's talk about the Red Sox a little bit uh I know you're involved heavily with them. When does your responsibility start with them? And uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what you do on the job there with the Red Sox. Um, I took my job at WEI as a Red Sox producer in 2018. So it's been over four years now. Um, I took it in the spring. So coming up on five years um, in like a few months. But um, so I came in and was responsible for doing like all of the production like running all the breaks running like controlling pretty much everything the sponsor reads and a bunch of different stuff like that um still do that in the summers um because sports you kind of have to have a summer sport and a winter sport in order to to keep busy the whole year so that's what I do in the summer um and then I also sometimes am producing on site so like in the booth so I've bounce back and forth like switching off with our some of our other Red Sox producers who is in the studio um controlling like the whole broadcast and then who is in the booth helping like Joe and the other broadcasters with what they need and like technical help and different things like that 
Yeah, just to give you some context, Joe Castiglione was hired the year I graduated high school, and that was 40 years ago. So, uh, yeah, the guys. I remember Joe. I remember listening to Joe when I was like five years old. Like I had my great grandpa was such a huge Red Sox fan, but he was blind. So he liked to listen to the broadcast rather than so we would have it on TV, but TV would be muted. And we would have Joe on on the radio and we'd just be sitting there listening to that in the summer. And like my family likes to joke that that's like how I ended up like how I started like the whole play-by-play thing because he was blind he was blind so I would describe to him what was happening so like even when I was young yeah actually there's a book out there Bridget called uh, the art of sports broadcasting and it's like the 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 textbook uh for uh sports play-by-play and Joe has a chapter in that book all his own uh, on baseball play-by-play so um I always kind of recommend that to, to anybody who's interested in play-by-play I want to Talk a little bit about your time at Yale as well. I know you're doing women's hockey there, play-by-play, uh, also and on ES- and yeah. men as well, yeah, on ESPN+. Plus. So, um, you know, how fun is that to be involved with a Division I uh, college hockey program and programs? It was – so th- that was a big step in the right direction for me because when I, I was working and living in North Carolina right out of college, like right after I finished working at um, Boston 25, I – was but I always wanted to come back up to Boston and work like in New England and I knew I wanted it to be hockey related but I was looking for my foot in the door at a media outlet up up in Boston and that's how I ended up with the Red Sox role with WEI Um, but I always knew I was looking for that next job um, was going to be at back to play-by-play and so when I had the opportunity come up at Yale, um, I was like, okay, I'm back on the right track. Like I, I had taken jobs that I knew would help me get towards that, but I was still waiting for my first opportunity outside of college to get back to, to doing the play-by-play. Um, so they hired me in 2000, the 2019-20 season to do um, the entire women's season and a slate of five or six men's games as well. And um, that just felt like a big uh, stepping stone for me. And it's since led to other opportunities as well. So um, just to be able to get back to it and feel like I was making progress was big. Um, and also, like I mentioned, you you need to be uh, at it. The only way to get better at it is to just do it over and over and over again um, and hope that people think you're doing a good job and um, listen and eventually recommend you for, you know, bigger, bigger positions. Yeah. What's it like working at Ingalls uh, arena? Because uh, that's, that's one of the few college hockey arenas I've never broadcasted. And I think out of the 61 uh, schools in men's college hockey, I think I've been to 41 of them, but Ingalls is one that I have not been to. What's it like doing games there? Old. (laughs) it is it is like i was told that it it is one of the two coldest rinks um in the country it that princeton and yale apparently are the two coldest rinks um ingles is is very cold it's kind of so the broadcast booth is not high it's like very you're it's easy to see everything because you're very close to the ice um and it's just it's it's a good view and it's kind of a small operation it's an older building. It's like, I think it's from the sixties and it's just the most unique shape you can think of. It's like 
the roof is like you flip like a like a viking ship upside down and it's all wood on the ceiling it's just this big um like open ceiling it's kind of a weird setup architecturally but it's I think to watch a game it's it's not modern at all like it's still those wooden benches for mm -hmm. fans to sit on um it's old school uh, right and Princeton's the other ECAC school I've never been to so that's uh the, those two are on my bucket list for sure I'll definitely uh, wear some extra layers <laughs> Uh, you've also done work with Nesson. Uh, that's, of course, the major carrier here in New England for uh, sports. Um, how fun has it been to be on that channel and, and just uh, be in a situation where your work is exposed for literally everyone to see? Yeah, that's an, that was another huge step for me, and that came more recently. Um, and it came out of the opportunities and, and the work I've done at Yale. Um, I was able to meet the right people, start doing so going from doing ECAC games to some Hockey East games that needed to be filled in, some of those end, ended up on Nesson. I ended up, so last season, I ended up meeting the Hockey East commissioner out of it. He just showed up to one of my games and in one of the intermissions just offered me a job. And I was like, okay, that's not how I thought today was going, but, <laughs> um, but great. Um, so he last season at, at one point showed up to one of my broadcasts and said, well, we are looking for someone that we want a woman's voice like a more diverse group of broadcasters for um what we're trying to do with hockey east because they're expanding to espn plus this was their first season mm -hmm. um with those television broadcasts on espn plus and they also have a large slate of games on nesson and it's all part of how they want to increase exposure for both their men's and women's hockey program and just get get that out there for people to view um, so they were looking for for broadcasters, and he reached out to me, and I uh, I thought it sounded like a really good opportunity. So this year I've been on quite a few, and I actually have one coming up at Lowell, um, a men's game, Maine at UMass Lowell, coming up in Great. February. Great. Um, so that has been <laughs> that has been fun because I've got to work with a lot of different broadcasters. My Color commentator for the women's games is Kaylee Fratkin. She's a professional hockey player for the Boston Pride. Um, my sideline reporter, also a woman who, her name is Paige Capistrand. She used to play for the Boston Pride, but decided time for her to try out the media side of it. Um, and so we have a really great crew um, of women that we work with on the women's broadcast. And uh, it's it's also been like, one of the things I need to work on still is my on camera, like, and not like, and like trying to not make like a serious face, like actually trying to smile and doing the like recorded stuff, like the recorded open and the, I feel like I'm fine at doing things live, but when, when it was recorded, I was like, I get nervous. Um, but in the beginning of the season, it took us like two or three takes to do it. But now we're now we're doing it in one take and it's like, okay, whew, I finally feel like I figured it out and we're we're rolling with that. Great. Um, I, I wanted to talk to you also about your time at Miami. Uh, you did some a lot of work with the Miami Redhawks, uh, who, of course, are a Division One program as well. Uh, tell us about that experience. So that started uh, um, I, when I was working in North Carolina. I was working for IMG and that one of their properties is 
Miami, Ohio hockey, football and basketball. And I was strictly with their hockey, um, doing their intermissions, um, like remotely from the studio. So I did pregame intermissions, postgame for them. And I met, so that's how I met Greg Waddell, who's the play-by-play broadcaster for them. And we ended up, um, you know, with a, a good relationship in Miami had usually has a few or at least one trip out to hockey East or to the Northeast, Mm -hmm. um, in a season. So then every year, whenever they came out, he would have me do his color commentary. Um, and actually earlier this year, I did a game with him for Miami, Ohio at UMass Lowell, Mm -hmm. um, for their men's series, uh, really early in the season back in October. So um, that's something I still do whenever they come out just because like we're good friends at this point and it's just fun to just be a part of those broadcasts. You also spent some time at Boston College as well, right? Uh, that's, that's a big hockey school. So uh, maybe, uh, maybe you could reflect back on your time there. So I, similar situation, I started with the BC broadcast when I was at IMG doing intermissions and, and different things like that. And now it's in a completely different capacity. I have done a bunch of the Hockey East um, broadcasts on Nesson at BC. I feel like I, I think I've done three at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, harder rink to broadcast in. <laughs> yeah. um, much farther away from the ice and hard to see the like the time and like any of the boards that have the time and power play time and the score on it. Um, so I've been at BC quite a bit this year just doing play-by-play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also won a uh, sports ju- journalism scholarship, right? The uh, Andrian uh, Matt Women in Sports Journalism Scholarship. How meaningful was that for you? And uh, tell us a little bit about that that whole uh, experience. Yeah, so for me, it meant um, being able to, that money is usually people use it towards like their internships, like say they needed housing for their internship like they wanted to try something in a city that they didn't live in and like so you use that money to further your career um which I did use towards my first internship and um it was nice because you just feel like okay there's some recognition here um and I I got to meet uh Adriana Matt who was the the person who the um the award the scholarship is named after and got to talk to her for a little bit um, about why she wants to give this scholarship to people and like her experience and her past and it's also been nice because I've gotten to meet some of the people who have gotten it after me mm-hmm. and talk to them and so it's just a good way to like keep people connected from UMass that have gone through similar things and can kind of help each other out. I noticed also you've done some work for Providence women's hockey. You've done some play-by-play there, uh, and you covered the hockey's women's tourney in 2019. I know Sonny Watrous did uh, a lot of games down there. Have you met her and worked with her? And talk about the Providence experience. Yeah, I, I know Sonny. Um, we've crossed paths just broadcasting Providence games and just Hockey East games in general. Um, so the PC stuff was actually how I got the Yale job. So I broadcast the 
um, playoffs for the PC women's team Mm -hmm. and by myself, which was hard, like (laughs) having a color commentator is like, you don't know what you got till it's gone. And it's like Mm -hmm. trying to fill so much time. And there was a 10 minute delay in one of the games because um, the woman decided that they wanted to fight for some reason and there was uh, a lot of penalties. But um, so <laughs> so I was able to make a reel from that and, and covering those games and send it over when I was applying for the Yale job. Um, so that was that was something. And I actually, it's all like a snowball effect, really, because I came out to Providence for the first time with Miami, Ohio and mm-hmm. did the broadcast there with Miami, Ohio. Through that, I met the PC broadcasters and kept up a relationship with, that's when I met Sonny. And that's when I met Mike Logan, who's their, been mm-hmm. their play-by-play broadcaster for men's hockey for a very long time. Um, so at doing that men's broadcast, I met them and I still talk to Mike. Like, I feel like I talked on the phone like a few days ago, actually. Um, but he kind of got me Mike kind of helped me out and got me in the door on the woman's side of the broadcast so I ended up there doing the playoffs and it just all snowballed on one thing onto the other onto the other and um kind of just you never know how you're going to get there but you're weaving your way through it yeah I just saw Mike Logan this past weekend as a matter of fact Providence was up at Naramac so we had a we had a great weekend of hockey and I've had Sonny on the podcast before and uh um my bucket list is to call a game with her. I think she is one of the best analysts that's ever done college hockey. So yeah, they're, they're great people down there in Providence. Yeah. We've never been on a broadcast together, but I know like she does games on Nesson and I do games on Nesson. I've just mostly been paired with Kaylee. So at some point in time, it'd be nice to be paired with her as well. I understand Bridget. You're also involved with a podcast, right? That's called the skate pod podcast. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so that's our Bruins podcast um, for WEI. Uh, we have, so mostly at WEI, we have a podcast per sport. Um, so me, um, as a Bruins writer for the station, and our other Bruins writer, Scott, do it, uh, as well as one of our producers, Brian. So we've been doing it for three years. It was originally my boss's podcast, but him and uh, he got promoted didn't have time to do it anymore um and neither did his co-host so we took it over um and kept it going and we've been doing it for the last three seasons and so um basically after Bruins games we you know finish up our writing and like after interviewing players and and finishing up all that we usually hop on and record pretty much all the things that people who are like it's almost like from more of like the actual like in-depth fan that wants to know like Mm -hmm. pretty like very someone who wants to be informed about pretty much everything um as we know we have a lot of really good hockey fans that are in boston and that are that are bruins fans and just like want to hear the actual latest on everything and um it's nice because we do get to like directly talk to the players and kind of report back what what they're saying in case other in case people missed it and then they can listen to it on their way to work or on their you know while they're in their car or whenever they want to listen to it but it's it's a purely Bruins broadcast um and it's been really fun to work on um so how can people access the podcast is it on all the major platforms yeah so it's I I think most people usually listen to it on Apple Podcasts 
Um, it's also on Google Podcasts and Spotify. Um, I listen to it on Spotify um, just because I don't have an Apple. Phone. <laughs> so I don't, I don't have an iPhone. So everything I do is Spotify. But yeah, you can get it on, on any of those things. We're talking with Bridget Prue. He, she is a New England-based sports broadcaster and producer, uh, college hockey, play-by-play, also uh, working with the Red Sox and also down at Yale University. I, I also noticed that you were up at St. Lawrence doing some men's games as well. Uh, that's a wonderful uh, place to, to be, North Country, isn't it? Well, I actually did their broadcast, like, once again, when they come out east. So, like, they have a, a lot of the time they don't send their broadcasters. Oh, so I they see, yeah. Out. So yeah. I've actually not been up there, but I've broadcast the games that they needed filled in, like, when they come to Yale. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's uh, – if you ever get a chance to go up to Appleton Arena, that is like a shrine of college hockey. So uh, that that's something that hopefully is on your bucket list. Yeah, I would like to get to more rinks. I've been most of the rinks I've been to have been in New England. So um, New York, like I the thing is, I mostly do home games. So I haven't been traveling to, to those road games. The home broadcasters are the ones who take the ESPN plus um, get, that That's how it's streamed. So so, uh, Bridget, I wanted to talk just a little bit about uh, women in sports and play-by-play. I want to get your sense of uh, how women are evolving in the industry, you know, and particularly in play-by-play. Uh, you know, it's it's traditionally thought of as a male-oriented uh, uh, endeavor, for lack of a better word. But I know women, are. Uh, they seems like they're making great strides in the industry. Let me get your perception of of how women are evolving in these types of jobs and roles. Um, I think the more women that you see do it and do a good job of it, the more the younger women who are trying to decide what they want to do with their career can let it and go, okay, well, that person was able to find a way to do it and carve out a path for themselves and they're doing a good job. And like, that looks like something I want to do. So sometimes it just takes seeing someone that's like you doing it. And it makes you realize like, okay, it is worth my while to try. It's not like going to be fruitless um and i can i can you know use that kind of a template of how they got where they they needed to go um to to do the same thing for my path it's also really helpful that um it's we have a lot of allies like coming through like i mentioned mike was great like there's more people that are willing like see us in those roles that see that we're capable of them mm-hmm. and that want to help and want to and also like kudos to hockey east and you know their commissioner steve metcalf and um whomever there there's a there's a bigger effort in the college sports media um industry to add diversity um and to make people feel welcome and um you know like they're their diversity is something that adds to it rather than is like something that you hope people look past. Um, yeah. Oh, so it's just been a complete culture change, I would say, over the last 10 years. And, and it really has been incremental for a long time, but I've been experiencing it for the last 10 years. So uh, if a young girl were to approach you and indicate to you that she has an interest in uh, this type of work, what kind of guidance would you give her? What kind of advice would you give her? And, and has that happened before? Yeah, so there have been um, women from UMass that are you know students that um, I get put in contact with because of 
you know, my professors um, are, are like, oh, you know, you sounds like Bridget would be a good person for you to talk to. So I'll, I'll have like a phone call with them. And advice that I give, I always have a hard time because like, if you're passionate about it, then you just got to put your head down and like, try and fail and try and fail and try and fail until you finally get the right, like, mm-hmm. until you polish basically. Um, but that's really like generic advice. It feels like generic advice because practice makes perfect is such like an old saying, but that's, that's the best advice you can give. And then when, but when someone has a specific question towards like, um, you know, how to handle some sort of tricky situation where it comes to like, you know, maybe there's been inappropriate comments towards you as a broadcaster or criticism or like, then that's when I can like get into more specifics um, from my experience or from other like experiences that I've heard from my colleagues that are women. Uh, I also noticed that you have uh, a significant interest in photography. Is that correct? Uh, Where did that all come from? (laughs) That's more of just like for fun um, because uh, that's just, I just like to, when I'm traveling or even, I just like documenting everything. Um, but I also like, I have a drone and I doing drone photography has been very, um, engaging, just like the pictures. It's almost addictive. Like they t- it takes such good images that you're like, I just want to keep taking more pictures, <laughs> and seeing, like seeing how many cool shots I can get. So I do have like, um, a photography Instagram that's mostly just like tropical drone pictures basically um, <laughs> but it's just like a combo of traveling and um just bringing my camera along and my drone along and, and getting some nice memories and pictures Bridget where can people follow you where can people listen to your broadcast and stay connected on social media um so my broadcasts are um if you go if you have ESPN plus really easy to listen to the Yale broadcast there. Um and I'm doing Harvard, the Harvard and Dartmouth games this weekend, um, men's games at Yale. So those are some Ivy League rivalries that should be good. Um so ESPN plus easy way to watch. Um Nesson, um, not on all the games, we have a rotating crew, but um you know, if you see college hockey on Nesson, it might be me. You never know. Um, mm-hmm. And my social media is just, I'll spell it because I have a weird French last name, but it's just <laughs> um, B-R-I-D-G-E-T-T-E-P-R-O-U-L-X um, on Twitter, Instagram, pretty much anything. It's just the basic, my first name, last name. So. And you also have a website, right? That uh, displays your reels. Uh, tell us how uh, we can uh, we can find that and and uh, and listen so i kind of switched over to just linkedin at this point because it's like i have such technical issues with like creating your own website like you know you have your own website it's it's hard to like keep up so i've been just mostly putting my my new material like my writing and um different highlights and, and different things on my LinkedIn at this point. Um, but I need to cut a new reel from stuff from this year, especially from the nest and stuff. Um, haven't had a chance to get around to it because it's still the middle of the season. So I haven't had all that much downtime between Bruins and college hockey. 
Well, Bridget, uh, I really appreciate you taking some time to chat with us today. Uh, it's going to be a terrific episode. I know uh, I know our audience will be uh, very happy to uh, to hear our conversation. Uh, thanks so much. Best of luck uh, going forward with Nesson and ESPN+. Plus. Uh, I'll be tuned in. And again, thanks so much for your time. We truly appreciate it. Thank you, John. All right. That's Bridget Prue. You can find her on ESPN+. Plus. You can find her on Nesson. And please check out her work. I have. It's very good. And uh, we want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. We'll have another episode coming for you next week. Thanks again. Mitochondrial disease is a rare multi-symptom disease characterized by breakdowns in the mitochondria, which are specialized compartments that are present in every cell of the body except red blood cells and are responsible for creating more than 90% of the energy needed by the body to sustain life and support growth. A disease most commonly associated with children, currently there is no cure, just management of symptoms. Hugs for Mito Inc. is mitochondrial disease, rare disease advocacy, awareness, fundraising for research trials, and hopefully a cure. To learn more, please visit hugsformito.org.